This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Baruch Hashem, I guess we've been through tough Kufa. Things seem to be moving in a good direction. And Bez Hashem should keep moving that good direction. And the question is now, um, looking back, looking forward, what do we take away from it? I heard yesterday a, a fascinating little story that I thought worth repeating from Rabbi Blooming. He's the Chabad Shliach in Potomac, which is near where I live. And he said the following. He said many years ago, he went to visit one of his Balabatim, who was unfortunately doing a few days in jail. This person was a, you know, an established person, a special person. Obviously, it was something that was pretty difficult for him. And he told Rabbi Blooming, I'm just waiting that this should be over and that I can forget about it as if it never was. And Rabbi Blooming told him, you're going to be missing something if that's what you do. Akash sent you here for something that your neshama needs, another understanding, another feeling, another realization. Um, maybe now when you don't have, when your money is powerless, when your standing is powerless, when you're away from the family, when you're alone with yourself, maybe there's some realizations you've picked up and some understandings that are going to be something new. This experience is going to provide you with some sort of added piece that you didn't have. And if Hashem put you through this process, it means you're shamanize it, and you should make use of it and take it with you. That was the way he used that story as a description of going forward. And I think it's something which is um, apropos. It's, it, it, it was, it's a very unusual tkufa. It's a very, um, it, it still leaves us with a lot of question marks going forward and in retrospect. And other takeaways, God willing, we're going to get back to some normalcy in whether in the workplace, whether the community and so on. Other reflections are the things that we learned that we should um, be able to have a new perspective on life and so on. And I'd like to focus, I'm sure there are many things, I'd like to focus on one area. It's a little more vague. In other words, I can't put it into a, a box of sort of not talking shul, yes, talking shul. I, I, it's not like that. But I'm going to try to describe it because I think it's something that gave us an overall picture of the world of Torah Mitzvahs. It's in the parasha, parasha's hukas. Um, you have the story with Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu hitting, uh, first he spoke to the stone, a little bit of water came out, and then he hit it, and it says, rabim, A lot of water came out, and everybody um, drank together with, 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 the, with the cattle. So, um, the, our Sameach in Meshachachma has an extraordinary piece over here. I'll realign it too, because I think just worth um, hearing his beautiful Ashen. Da, he says, Ki habrocha ashehi bechefetz Hashem ubeseva parim yafes. A brocha which comes with the true rats of Hashem and graciously given by God, he enena muhulelas bekamusa. It is not at all um, described in quantity, rakbe chusa in quality. 
So he said, if we're to ask ourselves, the Arsameh says, we want to be blessed by Kaddish Baruch Being satiated and having a great meal is a blessing. Okay, so we want a lot, a lot, a lot of food. That, that would be a sign of Berchus Hashem. How about, and this is a lesson straight from Chazal. It says in Chazal, in Bukhukosai, it says, Vachaltem lachmechem lesova. You're going to eat your bread and be satiated. Chazal says, He eats a little bit and it fills him because it has bracha to it. And therefore he said, he brings a Zohar that Kaisal waited for this bracha because this was the most important bracha. Now he says, at first, when the first water that came out was not much water, but it should have been something which is um, enough, it, it would have quenched their thirds because of some sort of quality of it. Instead, they, they, they couldn't relate to that. They needed to have a lot of water. And he says, so he gave much water. Ulam, he says, So since they weren't the bracha was now in quantity, not quality. So the Pasuk puts it into one phrase. They drank together with the cattle. There was no distinction between them and the cattle. And, and, and that's why it, this was a klala, that yes, they had water, but what quenched them was the quantity, not the quality. Um, it's very fascinating. Dr. Samer says it in the Pasuk, you find a halachic, um, um, a, 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 a halachic distinction between animals and people that reflect this. Um, this halacha is, is as a dry halacha in Hilches Choshem Mishpat as you can get, but, but, but yet it gives that distinction. Let's say an animal of mine wanders into your yard and, and eats um, a bowl of caviar. So you have to pay whatever that bowl is worth which could be a lot of money, because you're paying for the damage you inflicted. Okay? Let's say the animal eats it in a place where it's not liable for damage. For instance, it eats it in, in, in a public thoroughfare. It's, you, you left it in the street, and it ate it. The halacha is you do not have to pay for the damage that you did, but you have to pay for the benefit, for the gain. The, the expression of Gizmara is mashenene. Whatever it is that you gained, enjoyed, the payment for that is the bulk of it. We take the bowl of caviar, we measure it, we ask ourselves how many cubic feet how many of food does an animal eat, and that's what's the cheapest food? Barley, coarse barley, and that's what you pay. In other words, for the animal, a human being would have to pay if let's say we did, if a human being ate the same situation where he's not liable for, for, for uh, he's not liable for damages, but he has to pay for what he enjoyed, you'd have to pay what you would pay for, for a bowl of that food. An animal's appetite is measured in quantity. 
with I, I mean, there are very few animal reviews on, on restaurants, so it's hard to tell if they actually get some sort of satisfaction. But Tachlis, um, they're, um, they, they're, they ingest quantity. So, so the Osamech is actually coming off a halacha like that. So the, the, the concept that I'm dealing with is the concept of quantity versus quality, understanding that quantity is a very, very, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very physical and coarse measure of things. Quality is more refined. Um, you, you, um, you, you ask a, a little child about, is he, is he more impressed by a big clock or huge clock or by a tiny, tiny mechanism of tiny clock? It's the big one. But you understand that the, the small one is much more exquisite, but a lot more fine work and so on. Um, I would like to try to use this idea to understand areas in Yiddishkeit. We'll pick two or three that I think have been affected by it. First, we'll talk about the areas in general, and then we'll talk about more specific things I think are nagat to us, or where we can translate it into terms that are relevant to us. Rav Hutna has a Maimar in Shavuos. It's in the ninth Maimar in Shavuos, and it's as follows. I'm paraphrasing, but more or less it's like this. It says in the Gemara that you should never ask your Rebbe in one area of, of, of Torah when he's in the middle of a different Masechta. So if he's in the middle of Masechta's Chulin, you should not ask him Brachas, and vice versa. At first glance, this seems to be a shortcoming. It says only Rabbeinu, because he was such a Gavirabba, he, he was all over the place. But anyone else, um, we shouldn't put him on the spot. So, I, I, I mean, the Gemara says that Talmud Torah is Vishinantam, a person should be able to snap an answer. So you, you meet the Rav, and the Rav says, you ask the Rav, um, he should be able to give the answer. You ask him a Shailen in Trevis, give the answer. So what does that mean? So if you take a second look at the Gemara, it doesn't say you shouldn't ask your Rav in many different areas. It says if he's in one Mesech, they shouldn't ask the other. So if Hutna says, he compares a Gemara to it. The Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos that when the Luchos was gi- were given, each, as when he said a Luach, a tremendous, um, pleasant fragrance filled the world. And so the Gemara says, so as soon as he had one of the Dibris, you know, said, as soon as the Gemara said one, there was, where was the room for the other? And the Gemara says, Akarish Prochu took away one fragrance and then gave the other one. So Rebutnus says, this Gemara is the basis for this idea. What it means is, um, whenever a person is learning or teaching, total immersion is something that is um, the ideal. So when a person, when a Rav is walking down the street and you ask him a shayla, then obviously he should be able to answer in any area. He shouldn't be saying, well, the last shayla was in Kashrus, so I'm doing only Kashrus today. 
Of course, that's Vishnamtam that Picha. But when he's teaching, when he's teaching, it should be totally and that's what the Gemara says. Each Dibra of each one of the Dibras, when it was given, it was given in a way that saturated the world. It required an act to move it aside and 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 to bring something else. In other words, there was no room at any time for many dibras together. Each dibra required total absorption and moving it aside. So in Talmud Torah, we see that in terms of the actual study of Torah, so having much at hand um, is not... Um, uh, uh, considered to be a myla, it's not considered to be something good. It's something that is lacking. Totally being immersed in whatever area it is, that's considered to be the ultimate um, description of, of somebody learning, and it requires an act of moving from point to point. That's as far as Torah goes. As far as um, Tefillah goes, it says, this is um, the Gemara. The Gemara uh, has it from Carbonos that whether you bring a big ox or a bird or a, uh, a flower, whether you, whether you say much or little, the main thing is you should be chavin libo shemayim. Now. The, um, the, this, this is actually brought in halacha. In halacha, um, if you have a choice of saying a lot of slichas, or a lot of kinis, or a lot of whatever, but you really won't be paying much attention to what you're saying, versus saying a little bit, then you should say a little bit with kavana, or a lot without kavana. Obviously, this applies to the areas that there's no obligation. Uh, Krishna and Brachis, we need to say. Um, Shimon Esra, we need to say fully. There, there's no excuse over there because Chazal made that as a takana. Um, so, Zimra, one ought to say the whole thing because it's a set takana. But once you, once you go away from anything which is a set halacha, then this principle takes over. And the question is if to say um, many, many slichas or to say slowly one slicha certainly saying slowly one slicha is preferable. That's why Lachas is Bojah and it's it's true about all the different eruptions we might say before Davni and so on. So in Tfila we find that the, the Kotska says a very a beautiful insight with as as with his full sharpness. He says so um, the Pashup shot of it is, listen, I know that you brought this little, uh, a little pito to for, 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 a, for a mincha, while this guy brought in the big axe, but if you'll have a lot, a lot of kavanas, then it'll be good. That's, I guess, that's the Pashup way of learning it. The Kotzka said, no. The Chiddush is, the, 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 the Gemara is pointing at the wealthy man who brought in the big axe and telling him, your great big carbon will only be good if you That's how the Koska says it with his typical sharpness. Now, um, at first, I, I, you know, I, I assume that the intention was because a wealthy person who gives a big gift, 
likes there's there there is um there's a, a lot of benefits that come with it. People think very well of him. He gets maybe a master or two occasionally and stuff like that. You know, there's a lot of fringe benefits that come with, with great gifts. And that's what it's saying. I would like to think it's more so than that. That it, sometimes when a person expresses himself with much he, he dilutes the internal punch to it. Um, when, 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 um, you know, when they have all these Japanese martial arts, so m- many of the points about it is that you, when you put a lot of focus in one, the more focus there is in one, if you focus all your energy on one particular point, that, that carries the full impact. It's, it's a law of physics. You spread the power over the surface area. So if you have a big area that provides um, l- less punch over each square inch versus one, one focal point. So in Tefillah, you have that the, 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 um, the, the, the area of, you know, of being mechavin much versus saying much, being mechavin is important. Finally, one third area where I like to bring a, a mucker for this type of thing, and then and then uh, and then we'll try to speak more, I guess, practically a little bit about it. Um, my Rebbe Rucham Shalevitz, when he would hear people say a hespid and tell over stories, he would get a little bit annoyed at the, at the person. And he um, and he's sometimes he would say it at, at other occasions and, and I think once he actually said it at the at the at the hespit itself and when he said his hespit he says it says by Avram Avinu that he gave them alochim water and because that they had the be'er he gave them he came out and because that they had the money he gave them this that he said you know those are not extraordinary acts and um, he said do I do I not give um, water to a poor man that comes, a piece of bread. So why, why don't I get that type of return on my investment? So Chaim said a phrase in Yiddish, and I'll translate it soon. Nish de meisim learning of a mention, nor the mensch learned of the meisim. In other words, the stories don't give the measure of the man. It's the man that gives a measure to his, to, to, to his deeds. Now, the deeds so. What he meant was, and he expressed it, um, you can give a piece of bread and a glass of water to a poor person, very perfunctory, very matter of fact, very kind of, okay, here it is, take the, that. I can give it to the person, and I can give it with my entire heart neshama. Um, it's like when it says by, it, the Gemara says that somebody is malben shinov la'ani. If somebody expresses to an ani, um, comfort, sympathy, and along it's, it, with whatever he gives, the Gemara says it's a lot more valuable than the donation you give. Because the donation keeps the body alive. The, the, the type of expression of Levenshinayim, of being friendly, radiant, and so on, that, that's Mechayi Neshama. So in the world of Gmilas Hasadim, we also find this distinction between um, the measure of things, and the quality of the thing, the quality of the act. Three areas, 
where I think we find Makoros for that distinction. And I'd like to try to talk something about what, what I think changed what we should be able to, to, to appreciate. You know, um, we live, everything is today because of the ability to give so much, we have an appreciation for that. So if I can do one business deal, that's nice. If I can sit with you and do a business deal and, and, and under the table send a text to another business deal, that's twice as good. If I can, if I can be getting an email and responding to a third party and doing another deal, that's three times as good and so on. Um, we always look at the, all of the possible, um, ongoing things as multiplying what we're doing. So yes, in, in when it comes to business, for instance, it obviously is, um, is much, much um, if, if, you know, the, the bottom line is profit. So if you're, if you're able, by, by doing six things at one time, you're able to, 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 to complete the deals and not, not mix up the messages, then fine, then, then you're a successful businessman, no, no, nothing about it. But when you translate it to other areas, so I can be talking to my wife and to my son and to my friend and my neighbor and to my boss at the same time. So is it six times one? Is it, is it six times? Or is it one six? And, and whenever you cut something, you lose something in the middle also. When you split, when you, when you multitask relationships, what happens? I'm always, you know, I, I'm astounded at, for instance, when people look for a school for their kids. And they look at a list of wonderful things. Uh, there was a many many years ago, and again, I'm not saying it because of an agabadav. I, I I don't own Alice Yeshiva, but somebody in the area not far opened up a, a competing school. You know, whatever, it's a, 20 years ago. It's an irrelevant issue. It's the school is long closed and so on. But this this person um, advertised how many more things they'll be doing than our school does. Now, so so I I, I was astounded. I, so I, I I two things. First of all. I, I ask people, so do you think he's multiplying or dividing? And when you divide a person's attention, you get much less than the sum total. You get you 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 bring the sum total down. It's one thing, let's say your school goes till two o'clock, and I add another two periods of three o'clock or four o'clock, five o'clock, whatever it is. So then we can make a case back and forth. Secondly, the first and foremost determinant about a school should be. Quality should be something where you sit down and ask yourself, what what is the 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 what is the interaction of a rabbi and a Talmud? What what is happening at that at that point? It's it's it, you can't measure that by things. You can't measure it by outside metrics. It's not always easy to measure it. Yes, and I understand that. And you know, it, it, but understanding that that you don't measure it, you're looking for the depth of connection. You're looking for things, qualities that are very difficult to measure in quantity. And it's true. It, it, on the one hand, you need to keep monitoring the school. I, I understand that. But the, it, it's going to be a very different type of measure. We, we go into davening. So we have a splendid um, 
you know, Hashem, the shuls are, are beautiful, we have a lot of things going on, and so on and so forth. But what's the quality of me and my sitter? Me sitting with my sitter, what does it look like? How much am I pondering the words? How much, how thoughtful? Um, um, and, and, you know, we've lost the ability to savor words, to sit and to sit them slowly. Imagine um, you, you, somebody, some, you invite uh, a person who's not at all sophisticated uh, to a very, very um, gracious dinner, and you now serve him a bottle of this extraordinary wine, like uh, a very expensive bottle of wine. I would mention price, but I just thought I'm an Amaret, so I don't want to give away that uh, I, I, I stick to Kerem Manashevitz and, and what's about it. So I'm not sure, but it's a very, very expensive bottle of wine. Now, um, the, the, the guy says, well, he takes a big tumbler and he gulps it down because it's so good, obviously, I won't have much of it. So, so, so you say to yourself that um, this poor person um, didn't have any wine. I said, what are you talking about? I, I had three times as much I made at the table because, because I, I guzzled it down. But, but that's not how it works. You're missing. Wine is the sipping and the tasting. To take a, a posic slowly and, and to taste it, to sip it, to savor it. Unfortunately, in, in, even in general studies, we don't have a person, we've lost the art of sitting down with something that's written beautifully and just, and just enjoying the, the phrasing, the words, and, and not looking at how much we're doing, but, but looking at the quality of it. Um, how, much, how many rich overtones am I getting? Sipping it, learning how to, how to do that. Um, we were forced, the only thing we had, we didn't have a nice chasm and we didn't have a nice rub. All we had was our four walls and a sitter. And the only thing we could ask ourselves was, how much were those words meaningful to me? How much, and, and I needed to make that chasm. Yes, I can afford a Pesach in a place where they have 90,000 activities with, the, with, the, with, with every single chumr and hitur and greatest rav and, 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 and biggest chasm and all these things. Did it measure up with the quality of sitting quiet with family? So many people were shocked at how pleasant the Seder was with the minimal conditions, with all of the things, just sitting with the kids. We're so into, um, you know, every moment has to be used to get just being with, with them and giving them the attention, giving them the attention. Uh, um, there is nothing that makes a person feel better than somebody who sits and gives him that attention. That person is interested. My father is interested in me. He's, he, he, we're, we've connected 100%. It's not that there are pieces and bits and pieces all over the place. Um, we had that in learning. We may have had less shurim, but I found in Shiva the experience was because there were less distractions, people were more into it. You know, when people ask about why people in the old days would learn a lot better than today in yeshivas and before the pre-war Europe. So the answer, I think, one of the big answers was there were very few distractions. If the only thing you have is Baba Kama, so Baba Kama becomes your entire self. It fills you. It, it's something that, that, that you live it. This is your world. 
if I were to go back and to say to myself, the people in yeshiva that did extremely well, the ones that really were above and beyond, what was the, well, so obviously um, being bright had a lot to do. Yes, there was every so often there's somebody who's not naturally smart but did very well, but, you know, being bright has something to do with it and putting in the time and hours has something to do with it. But I think exclusivity is very, very important. And the people who their world was, like we described in, in, in the, um, in, in the uh, Dibris that were given, the people who could fill their entire world with the learning at the time were the ones who, who, who at the end of the day, were the masters of it. That was something that was extremely, extremely important in, 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 that, in that world. And, and I think it's one of the reasons why there was such resistance to, to um, giving, uh, you know, when, to having yeshiva systems with other things. So I understand the balance, I understand the needs for it. it it's not, you know, there's nothing perfect. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the idea of having something that's exclusive and you're entirely wrapped up and involved in something that is Torah gives you a dimension that's very hard to do when it's when it's when when the other things are in mind. It's not only a question of how many hours. And 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 yes, there are you know the, there are different balances, different times in life. I'm, it's, but I'm, I'm trying to explain that it's not the hours; it's just that type of focus, exclusivity. Um, so in the areas of learning, many people, because I, I found that the yeshiva, despite all of the cumbersomeness of having the Zoom show and so on and so forth, in many ways the learning was actually very good, and I think it had to do with the fact that there was not much else going on. Um, so I think understanding this distinction, the world has has gotten a mentality that much and many is the good. And I think that that goes against the understanding that the Torah has about it, and which is the quality of each piece. Um, it's, it's just like every word of Torah, you can, you can learn so many things from it, almost an endless amount of things. So that means... Um, to being able to keep zooming in on something is where Ruchnius lies. The, the, the Ruchnius lies in that. So I guess in the big picture, I would say to reorganize our lives, we're understanding that our multitasking in many ways is dividing and, and, and dividing our quality, taking away from each individual piece we're not accomplishing five times as much. We're accomplishing five times one-fifth as much. And we lose because every time you slice the cake, there's always pieces that, that you know, there's always crumbs in the middle that go missing. We, we lose on it. So when we're reorganizing and thinking about um, things that will change, what will we do now that we would, um, we would uh, change our... Um, our our uh, perspective on Yiddishkeit, what we do now to change the direction and, and so on. I would think for many of us, if we reflect, this was a major shift. I think, I don't know if everyone's conscious of it. To me, this was it. 
And therefore, when we ask ourselves, how many shurim should I have and how much learning? A lot more than adding hours is making the time we're learning as to be immersed as possible. There's no reason that we need to have anything going on in that hour that we're learning. There's no reason, you know, we should be available during that hour. There's no reason why we should be distracted. There's a time to socialize, there's time to learn. Learning less, and again, I've seen this in Shiva, learning less time, but qualitatively being a lot more exclusive, usually gets a person a lot further than diluted time. It's just like when you see a kid patching with an assignment, and he starts writing, and then he goes off to take something to eat, then he goes, sits down, then he grabs, takes a look at something on his phone, then he sits down, isn't and that? It, not much is happening. Um, better, better him do a half hour and, and focus on it than, than not focus. It's true about shul. Um, the question that we should ask ourselves is, what will increase our focus? Um, and again, it could be external distractions, it could be internal distractions. The, it, it, it becomes a vicious cycle. If we're not into it, we don't appreciate it. If we don't appreciate it, we look for other activities. If we look for other activities, then, then, then we appreciate it less. And it's a vicious cycle. So you become more and more listless in that. I mean, you look for more and more entertainment outside, whether it's your neighbor or whether it's upstairs or downstairs, whatever it is, and, 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 and you lose. So learning to focus on words, learning to be able to look at words, read, and for this next 10 minutes, nothing but reading the words and, and thinking about them. I, I don't, I'm not talking about thinking pshatamente, just focus on the words. The word kavana doesn't mean to think into something. The word kavana means to focus on something. So when you read it and you focus, just like Lahavla, if you read a poem and just focus on the flow of the words and on, on, the, on, the, on the images that are evoked from it. And finally, in human to human relationships. Um, you know, Baruch Hashem, Chalal Yisrael, does a lot of chesed, really wonderful. And even this very last tufa, so many people stepped up to the plate in many different ways. I just have to know some things. Um, my son was involved in running some sort of chesed project where he lives, and it was incredible. People called him asking to give money. Um, they subsidized food and stuff like that. You know, it's beautiful. You know, there's, there, there, there's, it's, it's, it's really something that's, um, you know, it's extraordinary. It's inspiring. But there's another quality to human interaction, and that is human interaction. If I am totally involved with somebody, then, then, then we, that's been Adam Lechavero. My, um, my Reverend, my Shapiro once said, he asked the following. He said this, this categorization if it's just a convenient, you know, just to be able to lump mitzvahs together, he's got a few more categories. He says there are five mitzvahs in the Torah about a chamor, petachamor, noisachroish, and so on. How about beram lachamoro? Would that count as, 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 as a type of mitzvah? And his point was no, obviously. He said, it doesn't mean, ben Adam Lechaver doesn't mean the mitzvahs that relate to other people, and ben Adam Lechaver means the mitzvahs relate to Hashem. Ben Adam means the mitzvahs whose purpose is to build a bridge to HaKadosh Baruch Hu or to another person. The purpose of ben Adam Lechaver is to build a bridge between person to person. It's not, it's not just that the object in question 
is a person. It's something which is a, um, a definition of what those mitzvahs are. So the Dandamar also has as many places. Mitzvahs come in three varieties, some of them to develop the person internally, some of them to connect Hashem, and some to connect to other people. So bin that's so the time we spend, it doesn't you, it does not spending time with your wife, bonding with your wife is a mitzvah. It doesn't require thinking of something extraordinary to do. It just means that this time is exclusive between two of us. Giving time to your children. It means, um, I wrote this about this once, my, my, my own father, Zechan Evracha, was a war survivor. He was an older person when he, he had a wife and children in, in Europe, and they were killed out, and he got to be married. It must have been 50 or so when I was born, as me and my brother. And the most beautiful, we were not wealthy by any such imagination. We were, I guess, as, 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 you know, simple middle class as you can, you know, my father's a shaman said, sure, and so on. But m- many nights after supper, we would go for a walk. And, and every and regular day, we felt like walking, we felt it was healthy, it was good. And you know, I'd give him a hand, my brother gave him a hand, and we'd walk and tell some stories, isn't that? I, I don't think there's anything in the world that can replace that. Um, no, no fancy activity, no wonderful, if he would have t- treated me to a trip to Antarctica once a year, and the rest of the year he's absent, I don't think there would have been anything. It's just being together. Um, and, and the same thing with Yom Tovim, celebrating a Yom Tiv, nothing, nothing adds to it. If you have many things going on, you're distracted. Sitting with your children at the Seder and talking about Pesach. Um, and, and the most bombastic, wonderful speaker doesn't compare to that. And, and, and having three dozen different types of desserts doesn't, doesn't add to it. It takes away from it. So, so now the, the child is distracted by the fancy place, by the activities, by that. It, it's, it's distracting. Having the simple things, it makes you enjoy them. I once, I, I once saw from Volba of Pshat, I'm not sure where he got it from because in the Pasuk it's much more different. It says, mm-hmm. Your hidden things um, fill their stomach. The pastor sort of pasuk is it's going on good people. Um, Revolvus used it, and I don't remember exactly. I, I remember it sort of a while back, and I wondered about it. That he spoke about not tzaddikim, that they, they ingest so much, but they never took the pleasure out of it because all of it was hidden. I believe he speaks about a person doesn't make a bracha. A person who makes a bracha spends a moment appreciating the apple, and he eats it. So, 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 since he's conscious of the gift of God, so, so, so he, he, he extracts the gift of God from it. The minute the person, if the person just swallows without a bracha, there's so much in an apple, and, and yet it's, it's laying in his stomach, he never was able to bring it out. Like the muscle we gave of somebody guzzling down a, a bottle of wine. Al-Kapanim, um, for me, I know that the, 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 the Kufa taught me a lot about how much good and beauty and the spirituality there is in the simplest of things, provided we exclude out distractions, provided we don't dilute it by trying to do a dozen things at the same time, provided we focus on it and, and sip the wine slowly. And I think going forward, Mr. Shem, 
we'll try, we should try to ask ourselves, what are in our different areas of Rokhans my life? Make some sort of list of it and ask, what things can I focus more on? And which things do I need to say it's taking away? It's not adding to it. And Bez Hashem, um, like we said before, the Toiv Me'apikavana may be exactly what, what, what's needed from us. The, the, the same Pasik, the same, the same Pasha, we're talking about Kavana, it says, Nefesh, the, the, the word Adam is used for bringing carbon, the word Nefesh is used for the poor man who brings a mincha, flower offering. He has nothing else but flour. The, 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 the Pasik says Nefesh because the Rashi says, um, when a rich man brings an animal, it's another item in his possession. When a poor man brings his bread, he's, he's bringing his life. This is his breakfast for tomorrow. This is, this is a piece of self. And that's why it's so precious. Bez Hashem, we should be able to use the, what, what we got, what, the enlightenment we got, and learn that to invest each mitzvah of us with a piece of ourselves, Bez Hashem, and the, the, and, and the, the, this period of time where we lost, as Hashem will have gained a lot more in depth than we lost in, in quantity.